1: What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those stuff, boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you?
2: Yes.
3: Good right.
4: lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever.
5: It's the Irish Times, second captain's podcast. Oh, I'm Matt Davick, Kieran Murphy and Ken Erdy all here. Hello there, Ron. Hello, hey there. On, how are you doing? Good and all you. still riding high in the wave of optimism created by Tuesday night's game in Germany. Today, we're very excited about speaking to one of Ireland's heroes, an absolute rock in the in the centre, I was going to say, well, in the centre of Ireland's goal I'm out there, yeah. <laughs> David Ford.
3: He does move to his left hand, uh, left hand uh, right. I did uh, that quite a lot. The I, yeah. Yeah. I,
5: I must say, though, I did have a slight bit of concern in the first half on Tuesday when... Ford raced out of the box to successfully intercept the ball. I think it might have been Thomas Müller trying to run onto it. He was then heading out towards the sideline. He probably should have... He eschewed the option of...
4: Booting the ball into yeah, his stance.
5: ...of power drive. He went for feather touch. Yeah. And he ended up somewhere between feather touch and power drive. Str- yeah. You don't want to be in that yeah. no man's land, dude. Uh Giving the ball back to Germany. And thankfully, not, not conceding an embarrassing goal from it. After that, absolutely Superb. And looking forward... It's quite interesting the Ford situation came because um, mm. we might ask... Well, I think we should ask him about this. Shea Given came back and immediately people were thinking, well, Shea Given wasn't going to come back unless he was told he was going to be back in the team. Yeah. Now, O'Neill said that he was never told that and in fairness, I don't think Given has claimed that. In court. Of course, no, no given, has,
4: given has flatly denied, denied, denied that, that. that, although such a story did, was put about at the time and seemed to come from um, uh, reliable enough Ford source. Ford has but- remained
5: in the team and... Uh, has played well and Given has been injured for the last couple of games anyway, so there was no decision to make. But uh, there was certainly when your po- probably your greatest ever goalkeeper has come back from retirement. There's going to be pressure on the guy who is in there, and it's nice to see huge him pressure, right, yeah. Right, yeah.
4: Um, but you know, I think it was the right decision to stick with him. I mean, obviously, Given wasn't in the squad anyway, he, or he was in the squad, but then he he, then he was injured out of it. Um, I think it was the right decision to play him uh, last time out. I just don't think that after. I mean, it'd be one thing if Shay Given was playing for a club every week and mm-hmm. playing really well. Maybe then there'd be, at least there'd be a debate. But I don't think you can put a guy who hasn't who's barely played in a couple of years in from a guy who has, has played well since he's, since he's been the goalkeeper.
5: When was the last time you enjoyed a moment uh, as much as John O'Shea's goal oh. in, in sport? In anything. Well, we were talking on TV last night. Stephen Reid was talking about the 2002 World Cup. Uh, well, that's that's
4: the last last comparable moment, I think, in Irish football because you know yeah. there was the there was the uh, France g- uh, goal by Robbie Keane. That
5: was big as well. France goal.
4: That was huge, but again, that was a first half goal mm. in a in a game where you know it was great. We scored we're back in this game, but it wasn't. It didn't secure us anything, and of course, in the end, it didn't secure us anything. Mm. It, did, it turned out it secured us extra time, uh, but that's all we got out of it. And um, there was the Italy equaliser in Bari. But the, again, that was different because Italy had a man sent off after three minutes. I mean, it was nuts. In that game. Again, it was John O'Shea, actually. John O'Shea taking an elbow in the face for Ireland and Pazzini, I think it was, getting sent off. Um, and So that was a really strange game where we actually then conceded a goal to the 10 men. And then it was kind of a siege, an Irish siege, until we got a late uh, a late equaliser. But it, but it wasn't as though... You know, you kind of thought we should equalise. We're playing against 10 men here for the whole match. Mm. Um, so while it was big, it wasn't... I honestly think the the Germany, or, the, you know, the Spain equaliser, they're the kind of last the, the last times that we had such a, a big individual moment.
3: Yeah, right. Well, there is the O'Gara drop goal uh, oh, to yeah. win the Grand Slam. That was a pretty was a little, sweet yeah. moment. But again, there was there enough was time. time, and we then did the unthinkable giveaway penalty which may still, I suppose, we can count that moment, maybe. Thanks Uh, again, Paddy Wallace. Yeah. Oh, don't think we haven't forgotten your name, Paddy. We know exactly who did that. Uh, but I mean, you know, maybe it's the Stephen Jones missed penalty then that I'm voting as a comparable moment when we knew for certain yeah. that that dropped short.
5: Not quite as you. Fo- well, well uh, yeah.
3: It's a different thing. It's, it's dip-
5: a pretty different thing. It's a different thing when you're watching somebody else miss a penalty. But that was excruciating because I thought that penalty was over the bar. Nice yeah. to talk about these great Irish sporting moments. I'm sure there are other last ditch ones as well. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. Uh, if
5: Sonia had gone by Jabo, you know, they were having yeah, that st- yeah, yeah. to and fro there. If she just managed to get by. Jabo at that stage. um, She went
3: and she kicked again, but Jabo held on. Mm, Jabo. Incredibly. Do you want to talk about Gabriella Jabo or should we move on to more current affairs? It's a
5: seriously good news week in Irish football, but I have to inform you of some bad news, everyone. From Nigeria, Stephen Keshi, the man who led them to African Cup of Nations glory last year, has been sacked as manager of the national team. And if you're listening to our podcast during the (laughs) World Cup at all, it's not hard to pinpoint the moment that relations with the Nigerian media began to break down.
0: You wanted victory. This is the game you wanted victory, but it didn't happen. What happened? Well, I
1: wanted victory. I want victory for every game, but today's game, uh, this is for football. You look frustrated on the pitch. You look frustrated on the pitch during the play there. Where did you? Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Well, it's just the nervousness, anxiety in front of the front line. We want to score, we want to score, and uh, it's not coming. Some of your players, I mean, you had Kenneth Omeru and Ahmed Musa. They were injury concerns before this game. Were they fully fit for this game? Yeah, but you saw the game. They were playing good. Um, I don't have a problem. I think they did good. What lessons are you going to take away from here? And what will you do differently in the next game? Uh, we just have to calm everybody down and then take it from there.
5: Calm everybody down, including you. Starting with you. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Yeah,
4: that's. Such a once you start idea. having
5: to answer questions, that was after their opening I everything. Mean, once you start having to answer questions of that tone, you know, things could be. Although they did get to the last 16, didn't they?
4: Uh, mm-hmm. No, I don't think oh. so. Um, I'm trying to remember what. Oh,
5: don't worry, I'll have a little look here. Murph, Murph is. I feverishly
4: looking away. I don't think they did qualify. Um, the You know, where do you think you got it all wrong today? doesn't leave <laughs> Stephen Keshi with a lot of room. Not so maneuver. much where
5: did it go wrong. Where, did <laughs> where you do you think you got it, yeah, it all wrong <laughs> today? Uh, thanks very much to Adrian Collins for the heads up on that one. We,
3: we, we sorry They yeah. lost 2-0 to France in the last 16 of the World Cup. Oh, uh, they did get through. The yeah, through? Yeah, they did indeed.
4: Okay, well, I'm sorry for Nigeria for, uh, for uh, forgetting their glorious advance to this last 16. thanks very
5: much uh, not enough to keep Keshi in a job apparently but thanks to Adrian Collins for the heads up
4: they were in the group with Argentina wasn't it oh yeah they knocked out Bosnia and Iran okay I rem- okay yeah just want, point, just want to make the point
5: just want to make the point there we've got put that to bed now we really don't need any excuse to play that audio because it's one of our favorite interviews so yeah, if I you think. hear any more Stephen keshi related news in the future anything at all just tweet us at second captains we will bang out that audio he's for been linked seconds. to the
3: Galatasaray assistant manager's job <laughs> the clip.
5: it's uh, not only rugby today the European uh not only football today I should say because it's the European rugby channel Champions Cup getting underway this weekend and we have one of your favourite rugby players Murph Stephen Ferris on the show he never stopped banging um, on about his try yeah, for the Lions God, I don't, one it, of his tries
3: yeah I mean it, it wasn't even in a test match it was in one of the crappy Wednesday uh, you know dirt tracker games mm-hmm. uh, bef- uh, before the first test he just picked the ball from the side of a rock and then just sprinted away from everyone this gigantic beast like creature who's the hardest rugby player I've ever seen who could also run like the wind uh, and unfortunately, we just, we didn't see enough of it. No, you know? if, if you're talking about
4: pictures. those um, kind of moments in sport where, you, where you're up out of your chair screaming like a maniac, mm-hmm. wasn't it Stephen Ferris who picked up that Australian guy and carried him uh, down the field yeah. in the World Cup match?
5: Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Will Genier, wasn't
4: it? That was. Just picked him up and that was amazing. frog marched yeah. him around. He, he sort of drove him about 15 metres down, just almost carrying him like a baby. That to you equates to a last minute goal. That's the, the I can't remember the try that we. Oh, hang on. I remember Tommy Bow scored a try, didn't he? Oh, no. he Did he nearly score a try at the end? We had
5: one disallowed at the end, which may have been Tommy Bow, yeah. But the,
4: the I can't remember our try in that game or if we scored one. But I do remember Stephen Ferris picking that guy up. That was the moment the game was won. Rugby's like that. You know, I, I'll, you and me, you know, I can tell you about rugby. But rugby is like that. You know, you, you win a contest, of physical duel like that, and it it's more important than points on the board. <laughs> All right, now we are, uh, so we, oh, we'll Oh, also be
5: speaking to Stuart Barnes, I should mention that as well. Simon has spoken to Stuart Barnes in, uh, in the last little while when he was over in Dublin, so we'll hear about that ahead of the start of the new competition, which looks quite a bit like the old competition, just without a few teams. Now we're delighted to be joined by one of Ireland's heroes from Gelsenkirchen, David Ford. David, uh, great to talk to you, thanks very much for chatting, congrats on the result. Uh, can I ask you your own reaction when the uh, the John O'Shea goal went in?
1: Yeah, it was kind of surreal, like you know that we'd, we'd managed to do a last kick of the game. Like you know, I was thinking just before that we had a, we had you know in, in any game of football you always get one chance, like you know, and I thought that was the one where Wes had the chance where defend him at a great block, but you know, he's, uh, he's, we've scored a fantastic goal. Aidan McGeady done so well down the right, chopped it back to Wes. Wes put it across, and I thought Jeff Hendrick done f- unbelievable to, to, to put the ball back into an area first time where John managed to get across the player and, and score. Like you know, it was a real. Uh, Sent a forward goal and yeah, he was. I, I was delighted for him and he um, liked that as well. Of so course, he doesn't too, score too many goals, so he doesn't get much practice and celebrate.
5: I, did you decide to just stay in your own goal then, rather than rather than run up and join in?
1: Yeah, to be fair, it was that far away. Like, you know what I mean. I probably wouldn't have met it, like you know. But uh, I got up to the halfway line and I seen Mark Wilson there, so we were absolutely delighted. And um, our first thoughts really were, you know, they're going to have another attack and. Um, you know, there was probably I was thinking there was thirty seconds left or whatever. Like you know, so um, that was my initial thought, But when he blew the whistle, it was such relief, and uh, you know, it was, it was a fantastic result. Really,
4: you could see even the reaction of the of the bench. Uh, you know, was so joyful. People were watching that, saying that it seemed to indicate a good kind of feeling in the in the squad.
1: Yeah, it was. Everyone was chuffed a bit. You know, I looked over at the bench. The bench were you know, the, the bench were jumping all around the pitch and. You know, I got a hand it to Robert, Rob Brady. Like you know, he came out, he came on to me after, and he said, "He said 40, To be fair, I was that far on the pitch. He said, "Celebrate," and he said, "I think I might get a cap for it." Like you know,
6: Which so, <laughs> so just so brilliant, like you know.
5: Yeah, it's incredible. You have a huge role to play it in your uh, play in the result yourself, David. A bunch of saves, uh, particularly as uh, the defending was good as well. But you had to make your saves there. Do you have one in particular that you that was your favourite?
1: Um. Yeah, I suppose the, the two. I suppose the out really is probably. Uh, the one from uh, the one-on-one where Gota where I managed to get, just come off my body and and get it over the bar, and then secondly I suppose was the one where Tony Cruz has hit a shot and it's just moving and it's it's moved all over the place like you know, it, and you probably mightn't even see that on the TV, but I managed to just get it over the bar, which yeah, there was a lot of relief in in that save like you know, so um, yeah, I was just delighted to play my part, and I just always knew that at one 0 that we'd always get a chance and. Uh, as I said earlier, like you know, in any game of football, any level, you'll always get a chance with, with a few minutes to go, and you know we're lucky enough that we could capitalise on that chance and uh, you know come away with a, a, a fantastic result.
4: Just on the on the guts of save, I mean, he scored the winning goal in the World Cup final a couple of months back. What's going through your head at that at that moment? I mean, he's coming through. This looks like it could be two 0 What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, exactly. I suppose reactive isn't it like you know it's instinctive like you you train all week and you do all these things in training and all of a sudden it, it happens in real time where funny enough it feels like you're it's nearly slow down and then when you watch it again and when you see it again it it just happens so quickly like, you know so it was just a reaction i've just thought you know why he's been slid through you know go get as tight as i can go close close him down at his feet and you know i was um lucky enough to uh, to get to get a block on it and, and get it over the back
4: when they scored the goal I mean it was, a, it was a good shot by Kroos and very accurately into the bottom corner but did they then did you sense a change in their approach on the field? Was there anything different about the way that they were going about their, their game?
1: Yeah I certainly think so because the whole game they pressed us very high saying that it's hard to do that for, a, for the full 90 minutes you know so well, I think once we once they scored they sat off us a little and allowed us to play a little bit like you know which was which, which allowed us to get back into the game inevitably and I, I think you know, they made a substitution and tried to lock it down after Wes's chance, you know, and I think there was a bit of panic maybe, in, like, you know, which was, which is not like a top fight like that, like, you know, because, you know, they're under a bit of pressure after winning the World Cup and, uh, you know, they're the poor result in, in Poland, so they're, 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 they did have a lot of pressure on their shoulders and I think, you know, I think we capitalised on that.
5: David, Sheik, even as, a, as obviously back in the squad, but he's injured at the moment, but has uh, come back from international retirement, ha, have you have you sense for you personally? Does that put a bit of extra pressure on you to perform? And, and you seem to respond well to it. If it has,
1: nah. Well, I, I just look at it as a challenge. Like you know, and, and it's, it's no different football any any level and any any part of life where you know everything's a challenge and someone's always going to come in and and challenge you. So someone like Shay Given, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic bloke and uh, you know he's, he's been ever so helpful to me over the past few years. So I just see it as a challenge, and um, you know, I, I, I just keep doing. Doing what I've been doing, and uh, you know, keep, keep keep playing the way I've been, mean. and you know, it only inspires me and uh, keeps me on my toes too.
4: It is a it's a strange position, goalkeeper, in a sense. I mean, the competition between goalkeepers in a squad, because very rarely do you see goalkeepers being substituted. It's usually one or the other who's in favour, and I suppose they have different attitudes to to working with each other. I mean, I think I can think of Jens Lehmann, for instance, who made it his business to. Every every other goalkeeper in the squad was his enemy, as far as he was concerned. He was quite open about his hatred. What's your own approach uh, to to your uh, your goalkeeping colleagues?
1: I I'd be quite the opposite, like you know, because at the end of the day, we're we're after the the one goal, like you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the fact that you know, I'm first of all as well, i I'm, I'm a huge Irish fan and I'm a very patriotic person, so we're all under the one flag and we're all trying to achieve the same goal of, of, of getting to Europe and stuff. So. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm just blessed at the moment that I've got the shirt and I'm, I'm enjoying and, and I'm playing well. So, look, it's that's it's all down to the manager's decision at the end of the day, like that's his product, what he wants, team he wants to take, and whatever he feels is the best team for the day. So, yeah, look, I'm I i i would be totally there and I'd support anyone that that you know that's playing.
5: Well, David, isn't well done on the other. Night. I'm sure you're counting down the days already till um, Scotland away in Glasgow in Celtic Park.
1: Yeah, it could be one of those special nights as well, like you know. So that's what it turns out that way, you know. If we can go over there and uh, get a result, and you know, if we get a win, it'd be be absolutely massive. So yeah, I think I think all the lads have given everyone a huge list as well, and you know, if we can remain unbeaten in this in this uh, in this tournament, I think we got a great chance of qualifying.
5: David, brilliant stuff and well done again. Thank you.
1: Lovely, thanks lads.
6: A flame hair, a flame Entirely hair, flame of truth, flame Mr. Kennerly.
4: Ken 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 Every so often, I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, aren't yes. John Hayes. Now I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers.
0: That's where it comes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. How
3: much do I give a fuck?
5: Fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course
3: not. Let me show you right now For you give it up.
5: Oh, Brilliant stuff there from David. I, I, like the, um, I like the line from Robbie Brady about the cap. And I have to say, if FIFA can delete one cap from John O'Shea's record for no particularly good reason.
3: Because the fourth official wasn't officially accredited. Oh, yeah. What about nonsense, that is. It's complete nonsense. Yeah. So why
5: not give Robbie Brady a cap?
4: If that game doesn't count, then Euro 2012 should be replayed. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the game that ruined our Euro 2012, that Hungary game. We played so badly in that game that it cracked up. The, the confidence in the team had uh, sustained fatal uh, cracks. What was the result? Uh, I think it was nil all. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but it was so bad. The night of the downpour. Yeah, it was... Uh, the game was delayed. I think there was a big thunderstorm yeah. and there was just water everywhere and the team... Like Hungary, sort of had a somewhat more robustuous approach than I think we were expecting, and fired in a load of shots. And our defenders were just uh, skating around this slippery pitch, not knowing uh, what direction they were pointing. <laughs> and uh, it just sort of caused it, there was just this hint of foreboding about what happened there that uh, turned out to. to uh, yeah, Your question worse.
5: to David there on his relationship with Given: Did you have images of David Ford just totally blanking Given on his return?
4: Well, that's the kind of thing whacking
5: balls at him as as given in training, trying to save a shot from the goalkeeping coach. And you just see David Ford whacking other footballs in and around. Oh, yeah. couldn't save that one. It's yeah,
4: Shayzy. Yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't great there, <laughs> Shay. You know. Oh wooden Ooh, wooden legs! Oh Shay, you haven't been around the scene for a while, you. She's been <laughs> a while. Was well, once well, since you played? I mean, you, sounds like it's not like I, that. I heard the manager saying, uh, "You lose something, you have to lose something, whether it be flexibility or dot dot dot." Yeah, that was just what the manager said. Anyway, Shay. It doesn't it. strike
5: <laughs> me. I, I think David, in, in fairness, he, he did acknowledge that there's a pressure there with giving back, but I, I would take him completely at his word there that he's that he's not going in. He doesn't strike me sh- uh, David Ford, as a Jens Lehmann type necessarily.
4: There aren't many Jens Lehmann types. Oliver Kahn could be a Jens Lehmann. Well, type. Oliver Kahn and Jens Lehmann were both Jens Lehmann types, <laughs> and that was that cr- caused their fault. But I mean, Lehmann was unbelievable. You know, he literally like Manuel Almunia was the was the rival for for a long time, and Almunia's done some interviews about it since he left Arsenal. You wouldn't talk about well, Lehmann was still there. Could maybe, you know, you wouldn't know what he'd do, but just talking about how how Lehmann like treated him as an enemy, absolutely, just intimidated and bullied him, um, saw it as his professional duty to break Almunia's confidence. It wasn't the case of, and this is why it was so, such a drama in the German squad in the 2006 World Cup when Lehman actually ended up playing and Oliver Kahn it, it was like um, he, you know, uh, he, you know Gandalf returns, Gandalf the White, this sort of transformed and saintly figure. Oliver Kahn somehow managed to put aside his um his hatred of, or his, his, his jealousy and his rage and, and sort of support Jens Lehmann for the duration of the World Cup and mm-hmm. became this kind of a saint. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he... I mean, it, the effort nearly killed him.
5: Today's Irish Times second captain's football podcast is already out there wandering aimlessly around the internet, lonely, just looking for some friendly ears to rest upon it. Ken, what will those ears hear?
2: That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, Really.
1: Yeah, uh, you can laugh. You the walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me.
6: Do you don't know what you're talking about. What yeah. if you want? Know I'd like to stay alive for All six right, weeks. Okay, I'd say
2: it to your face, not say it to now. you now. What do you mean? I'm down to field and we'll see them What you doing down here, yes, you sure mean man. <laughs>
4: Well, we talked to Emmett Malone and Dion Fanning about the Ireland match. Mm -hmm. They were both over in Gelsenkirchen and uh, some of the issues coming out and looking forward to Scotland. Also going to talk, or we did talk, I should say, (laughs) to Jonathan Wilson about this crazy game between Serbia and Albania, which was interrupted by a drone, which suddenly buzzed down out of the sky, trailing an incredibly provocative banner celebrating Greater Albania. Uh, and uh, maddening the Serb fans who... Well, I mean, everyone... If you haven't seen the video, look at the video. It's, have a look at the it's video one of the most dramatic and, things uh, you'll see. Yeah. I mean, particularly that shot of the Albanian players who are running from the pitch uh, trying to go to the uh, tunnel, which is in the corner. Uh, and it's not a great position for that tunnel because it means that there are Serbs on either side creating a crossfire effect that they have to go through. Uh, and you see these players running towards, and then suddenly being met by this. It's an invisible uh, hail of projectiles, but you can <clears throat> see the behavior of them as this kind of saving Private Ryan type moments, where they all suddenly uh, kind of uh, are flinching and sort of trying to guard themselves against this, uh, against this hail of uh, projectiles that the Serbs are throwing at them from the stands. I mean, it's incredible, really, to see that kind of... Uh, situation. Whether the game should have been played is another question.
5: Ulster start their European campaign away to Leicester on Saturday night and we're joined by one of their all-time legends, Stephen Ferris, who had to retire through injury this summer. Stephen, good to talk to you. Can I ask you how this season has been for you? Have you taken a total break from the sport like John Hayes uh, said he's done or are you there at every game and spending a load of time around the place?
6: Um, I suppose I'm a bit in between. Um, I've distanced myself from... Um, obviously, from the professional setup, and uh, you know, I go to a local gym and um, train there with a couple of old colleagues, and um, just kind of letting the retirement sink in, I suppose. Uh, but I also call around to call around to see the Ulster boys maybe once a month. Just call in, duck my head in, uh, see the admin girl Sarah. You know, see the the lads and, and see the staff, and uh, just to say hi. Um, I go to go to the games. Uh, do a bit of work at the games, um, but going as a fan, uh, and uh, as a supporter, is pretty tough. Uh, but I'm going to uh, going to the too long game uh, next week at home, so we're looking forward to that and I'll be able to relax and, and have a beer and, uh, and chill out and enjoy it. Yeah,
5: it, it is still a bit tough, you said, going to games.
6: What's that, sorry? It, it
5: is still a bit tough, you said, there, going to games.
6: Yeah, it, yeah. it is. Uh, it, it's, it's tough going to games when um, you know it's hard. If, if you're in the crowd, obviously, you know there, there's still a lot of fans out there um, you know, looking autographs and you know wanting to say hello. So it's it's hard to kind of relax and enjoy the game. Um, I suppose it's 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 easier to sit in the sofa at home and enjoy the game and um, actually see a lot of the game. But um, it's good to be involved, doing a bit of work with the BBC and uh, BT Sport, and um, looking forward to. You know, further in that with those guys and um, enjoying the game that way as well.
5: It strikes me, Stephen, it's interesting you say there that you you do still go in and see some of the people involved at the club because yeah. it, it always strikes me that that um, it seems quite a collegiate sort of atmosphere. It, it seems like uh, you were there for a long time and and you're an Ulster guy, but it, it does seem like a, it was a pretty good place to work.
6: Yeah, well, it was fantastic, and I suppose when you're a professional rugby player, you don't really understand how lucky you are um, and. <laughs> I think, from my point of view, any advice that I give to somebody who's in the professional setup is, you know, enjoy every single minute and don't never take it for granted. Because when you're there, you you think you're going to be a professional rugby player for the rest of your days. You know, you think you're going to retire at sixty-five when you're actually when you're actually in the setup. Um, But you know, I know firsthand that you know, one injury, you're only one injury away from you know hanging up the boots. But as you you said there and alluded to, I love getting in and seeing the guys and you know, Rory Best, one of my good friends, um, you know, Tommy Bowe, Andrew Trimble, um, you know, Darren Cave, Dan Twee, Lewis Stevenson, guys like us who, um, you know, I grew up with playing underage rugby, um the whole way through, you know, eighteens, nineteens, twenty ones, going to World Cups with, you know, it, it would be a, an absolute shame to just walk away from that and walk away from friends and, um, you know, just move on to something completely different and distance myself from it. And I think, you know, keeping in touch with those guys, I hear the, the inside info on, on the team sheets and stuff like that, so it's always good to keep in touch with the boys.
4: You
5: um, had the battle of injury, as you said there. In any ways, was it, um, was it a, I, this might be a stupid question, but was it almost a relief in some ways to just ultimately knock it on the head was there any sort of closure there Right, I can't actually battle this anymore I have to move on with the next phase of my life
6: yeah um, there, w- there was a kind of obviously you never want to give in and I suppose the, the sportsman that I was and I never wanted to give in but it came to a point where I had no other option I, it, it was just every day it was painful every day it was you know fighting against a brick wall and it just came to a, a point in my career where I had to make a decision I'm going to medically, you know, I went in and seen the, the surgeon. And he said, look, Stevie, this isn't good. It's not going to get any better. Um, you know, my advice is, is to hang up the boots, um, you know, not injure this any further uh, and try and, you know, let it sink in and, and move on with, with the rest of your life. And I suppose, you know, I've got to think about the next 50 years instead of the next five years. Um, and that, that's that's the kind of way I looked at it. And speaking to friends and family and, teammates who have been very very supportive have, have said I me, and it looks stevie you, you had a great career and that's one thing that i said everybody and everybody kind of walks up to me and says oh i'm sorry to hear about your retirement sorry to hear that and you know of course you know that that's great and, and i really appreciate those comments but i always turn around and say to them look guys i had an absolute blast for nine years you know nine seasons i was you know in the best job ever um i seen the world i played from a country i represented you know the Lions I'd done everything possible in a rugby jersey and to walk away from the game knowing that I've given it a hundred percent and that's one thing I wanted to do was make sure and try and get back playing so that I never kind of look back and go Go. what if what if Um, and you know I give it a hundred percent like I did when I was playing and unfortunately I just had to call it a day Um, maybe a few years too early but that's professional rugby for you.
5: You said you were talking to the doctor there, Stephen, and he was talking about the rest of your life, and that's what you had to start thinking about. Had the injury, had the pain, been leaking into your normal life? Because this is the side of sport we don't really see. I mean, you know, your, you're yeah, yeah. Well, was that the yeah. case? Yeah.
6: yeah, it Was definitely. You know, I was training during the day, and um, you know, it was just such a long rehab process to try and even get myself back on the pitch. You know, it was just um, running sessions after running sessions to get loading through the joints, seeing how it reacted. You know, walking the next day, it's sore, right? Day off. Next day, okay, we'll get back loading the joint again. Next day, it's really sore again. All right, okay, we'll take a week off. And then when you're taking a week off, all well, you're doing is upper body weight. You're not actually doing anything on, uh, on, on your ankle. So going home at night, sitting on the sofa, leg up, ice on the ankle, um, you know, it, it was tough at times, uh, you know, especially when you wanted to go out and do things and, you know, go for a dander in the, with a the dog up the park or you know you guys are maybe sending you a text saying oh Stevie what you had tonight we're doing such and such and you're just sitting in the house you know icing up trying to make sure that you're 100% to, to do a bit of training the next day so it was 100% dark days um, days that I was like right that's it you know I can't do this anymore but I just wanted to give it everything so that it would never have any doubts of you know what if
5: Stephen, where do you think the club are at now? David Humphreys obviously seemed to be a big shock to everyone when he left. Les Kiss was in short term. He's going to be coming back, but Neil Doak has been promoted now. Where do you think that they're at in terms of the management?
6: Um, I I think they're in a good place. Um, Rory spoke after the Glasgow game, Rory Basket, man of the match, and one thing he said was, um, you know, everybody outside the club uh, thought the club was at sixes and sevens and thought there was a lot of... um, you know, the organisation was, was kind of up in the air. There was people coming and going, and um, it was very disrupted. And But from speaking to Rory and what Rory said after the Glasgow game was, the players are all 100% st- stuck together. And the coaches that have been there for a long time and are still there, they're all in it for the same reason. They're all in it to try and win something at the end of this year. And although looking from the outside in, everybody thought that it was, you know, wasn't, everything was kind of up in the air. The lads stuck together and, you know, they knew they have the right people in the right places to get the club going forward. Um, I I personally think that, you know, Les Kiss is a fantastic appointment. Uh, Neil Doge is a great head coach um, and they'll they'll work really, really well together. I'm not sure if they'll win a trophy this season, but I think they've definitely got the building blocks there to, to move forward. And to uh, you know, try and make some glory days again in the coming years.
5: Nice, a handy start. Just lastly, to the European competition, Leicester and then Toulon back to back in the uh, in the first couple of games. How do you think they're going to
2: go? I think
6: they're going to win two out of two. Um, that might seem a little ambitious, but the way Leicester are playing, I've watched them play the last three games, um, and I've watched Ulster play the last three games. If you watch the three games back to back. You know there would only be one winner, and that would be that would be Ulster. I watched Toulon versus Toulouse um, away the other night, and Toulon were very very average. Uh, I know they've got a couple of players to come back in, but I still think that um, Ulster have got the beating of them at home, especially with the new stadium. Um, so it's it's all about getting off to a good start. Um, I know all the pundits are saying that it's all about winning your home games with the with the. You know, such a better calibre of team um, in the competition. That's all about winning your home games and maybe picking up a point away where in previous years gone by in the Heineken Cup, you know, you would have had to win, you know, four out of the six games to be in with a shout. So, um, I, I, me personally, I'm going to go for two wins for Ulster.
5: Okay. Love the confidence, Stephen. And it's great to hear you're keeping well as well. Listen, thanks very much for talking to us.
4: Thanks
6: very much indeed. Cheers.
4: The hairdryer is, is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by mm-hmm. a furious blast of temper.
1: The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated, he threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. Oh,
5: he threw a hairdryer at David
1: Beckham uh, in
4: the... Is that right? No, 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 no,
5: no. no. Just to go back to the early part of the chat with Stephen there, the message seems to be very politely put by Stephen, but... If, Ulster fans, if you do see Stephen Ferris at Ravenhill, please stop badgering him for photographs for the entire game and let him watch watch them. He wants to
3: see some of the rugby. Even a small bit. I mean, a word to Stephen. I mean, if he were to express even the slightest note of discontent, I think people would be happy enough to say, hey, I'm going to leave the big guy alone. (laughs) I'm not going to poke that particular bear. So, I mean, all all it needs is just a hint. Just leave him be. Yeah, just let the big guy. Let the big guy watch the game.
5: Simon's joined us. He sounds like he's in a pretty good place there, um, considering the pretty grim nature of the latter part of his career.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that it was a long, slow process for Stephen, a little bit of hope, then it was snatched away from him. Uh, He might think his injury was going to go away, and then once again he'd have to have a long spell off the pitch. That must have been so mentally draining, as opposed to a guy who has an injury that immediately ends his career. That must be far more of a jolt. So maybe there is more comfort for Stephen in the fact that He's had to give it up now and just get on with the, the rest of his life. But I think he was so popular, I think even 10 years from now, people are going to look at Ireland or Ulster and go, geez, wouldn't it be great to have him on the pitch? Because he's one of those lads who sticks in your memory, as Ken was talking about Will Wilgenia there. He just, he just lingers long because he was such a physical specimen and because he made such an impact with every play that he was involved in.
3: Yeah, you talk about uh, the unseen work of the back rower, you know, and that's that's very important. But for a guy who doesn't know anything about rugby, say you're Ken Earley's of this world, uh, picking up another professional <laughs> right. athlete and running him 15 yards back down the field, that does, you don't need to know an awful lot about rugby to understand. Yeah, it's
0: such a tease as well. I mean, he was there in '09 for the Grand Slam in that back row with David Wallace and Jamie Heaslub. He was on the Lions tour, the World Cup in 2011, some massive games for Ulster as well, but you never got the feeling he was definitely going to be playing next season and going to be a solid fixture with Ulster, with Ireland. It was always the sense that is the next injury around the corner, so we never got to fully enjoy that feeling of Stephen Ferris you know, as a permanent fixture. You were speaking to Stuart Barnes when he was in, uh, in Dublin recently. Yeah, we talked to him because, well, we talked to him because he's a good talker, but also he's in a unique position as a broadcaster and a journalist in that he works for Sky and he works for the London Times, which means he now covers the Guinness Pro 12, the French Top 14, the November International, Switzerland, um, the Southern Hemisphere stuff, the European Cups. So he has to look at things from a bit of a global perspective, I guess, and not, most people are just kind of caught up with their own country's rugby. Um, so I, I asked him... With rugby going through such tumultuous time in the last year or so, it's kind of been ripped up into a million little pieces. I asked him, well, where, where is it now? How healthy is the state of the game?
2: It's um, stitched back together, um, but I think it could easily come apart at the seams and, 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 and tear the world game apart because in England and France, um, there is still a perception that the professional game is moving fast and I think the feeling is it's moving fast in another direction. And that direction is, is towards the clubs. And, you know, there, there may be a time when the, the, f- the fantasy finances of the free market bring it all crashing down or, or level the playing fields. But at the moment, France in particular, but also England with the, the wage cap um, uh, being raised and the one marquee signing, they're looking for something different. So... I think um, as a broadcaster, it's great we've got peace in our times. Uh, and I, just th- I think as a competition, there's no issue. I think the competition looks good. Um, but I think moving down the line, um, there'll be further challenges to come. This is, this is great for a few years. We'll have a great European Cup this season. Um, but at the moment, I think France and England see things slightly differently to the, to the rest of Europe.
0: One of the themes that's come out of it, I suppose, is the growing influence of businessmen, yes. some of them previously connected to rugby, some of them not. Mm-hmm. Football's miles ahead of rugby in that it's gone through all this over the last few decades. Is there any way rugby can learn a little bit from the mistakes they've made or once money's involved, is the control out of your hands? Uh,
2: Bob, what did Bob Dylan say? Money doesn't talk, it swears obscenity. Um, when the money comes in, money seems to take over. Um it's not something I like saying, but it uh, seems to be the experience in, in sport, business. We're sort of a, a sort of Anglo-American short-term capitalism. It is a pretty crazy thing. And as I just said earlier, when I talked about the fantasy of free market money, I mean it. I, people just get very carried away. Um, we should learn from it. Uh whether well, the owners learn, that's a different thing. Well, whether they want to learn. Uh, what have the owners learned? Let's say what is rugby and what have the owners learned? They've, they've learned that if the money's big enough and the deals are right, something like the Champions League can supersede everything except the World Cup. something in the Times um, last week. Um, along along the lines that I think we're going to be entering... Uh, cycle of international rugby and and when french clubs in particular but also english clubs are signing star names who are current world in, world, world cup players world cup winners perhaps it's too big a gap you it, it's too tough you can't have a 10 month season and trying to play for argentina or new zealand or australia it ain't going to work so what, what's going to have to happen you're going to get some of the world's best players, having to retire for a year or two. Then they'll come out of retirement for the cycle going into the World Cup. Now, I don't think the game is ready for that because I still believe the gap between club and country in terms of the perception and the interest is bigger than the clubs think. But they get caught up in their own small world and don't see it that way. I think think owners will see it as a great model to have a club-dominated game with the World Cup at the top I think the international board and traditionalists will see it as something of a nightmare where autumn internationals, you know, do we want South Africa and Australia to come to Ireland and have five or six of their team missing because they're playing for Montpellier uh, and Bath and Saracens? I don't particularly, but I just, you know, I'm not taking sides there, but that's I I see a real split potentially developing.
0: You've probably never had a better look at the four Irish provinces in your time as a broadcaster. Which of them do you think is most likely to break out and challenge in Europe this year? Leinster.
2: Le- Le- Leinster is, are still the two. Knowing how to win, it, it, it's the intangible, but knowing how to win is still very important. And Leinster picked up trophy again, you know, picked up trophy last season. They've been to d- Amling, three Heineken Cups. They still know how to win. I know uh, O'Driscoll's gone. I know that Cullen's gone. And I think that will probably stop them... Going all the way, uh, but I still think at their very best, they have the most rounded game. I, I, I'm hoping Kane Douglas can do for them what I've seen him do for uh, the Waratahs. He's a very good, tough, unusual Australian front five forward. He's a hard man. Uh, he may be no he, he may be no Brad Thorn, but he's a bloody good player. Um, so you have to look at them and say they are the the, the likeliest team.
5: Sure, Barnes, sticking with Leinster uh, a little bit more, maybe on reputation than is this the uh, the old never back against Munster thing? But now it's n- never back against Leinster. Kerry
2: to win
3: the football, Kilkenny to win the hurling, and uh, which, Leinster which, which was to pre- win the. Well, in European fairness, Cup. It, the other <laughs> two
5: were were my pre- best year, so
0: yeah,
3: uh, yeah. Ken, are you excited about the start of the
5: Champions Cup? Big time for sport. This well, way. it's
4: just a, the sporting season is 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 really getting underway now. I mean, you've got rugby, you've got the pheasants um, kicking of course, off November first. Yeah. You got the the foxes. Uh, <laughs> well, no. Sorry, <laughs> November. I mean, it's been a it's been a pretty sleepy last few months. Not much going on sports wise. Mm-hmm.
3: June and July were just death.
4: Uh, yeah, June, there. July, August, September. I mean, that's the off season. But we're we're uh, very much. Very much on Tally Ho
5: Our football <laughs> podcast is out there already. Lots of Ireland Germany chat in that one, so do have a listen. You can follow us on Twitter at second captains. Have a look at the website if you if you feel like it. I mean if you, you dare. To, if you dare check out the website there, secondcaptains.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Is That's is the second time
1: it's done off. They never got home, they never go home, they never go home, those those
4: guys.